Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 520 on Tuesday, the 4th of April, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be welcoming back an old friend with surprise news. We eat a very large slice of humble pie in correcting some new new car news. And we see what are the Easter egg hunt vehicles of choice from one manufacturer. But first, I alluded to it. Dieselgate, it's back. It's been so long. I've I've almost missed it. Ho- hurrah! Ho- 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 anyway, but this is actually <laughs> really big news. It is. I'll read the headline first. Former Audi CEO Stadler faces conviction in VW diesel scandal court case. We discussed back in 2020 how he and three engineers were charged with fraud over the whole dieselgatiness. Mm-hmm because they use the illegal software to cheat emissions tests. Now, what has happened is that the court in Munich has decided that the accusation of fraud has been substantiated, except for one engineer. One engineer, uh, the court did not see any significant evidence of a criminal offence. So that's Stadler and two other engineers, and the only way they can get their sentences suspended, which could be up to 10 years in prison, Hmm. is a full confession. Ooh, that's... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but but, but, but that would leave them open to all sorts of other stuff, wouldn't it, if they did that? I would imagine so, yes. I I would imagine that's what they are trying to work out with their legal team. Yes, not being a lawyer, I don't, I don't really, don't really know, but I doubt. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a big one, mm. quite the comeback there, Dieselgate. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that we'll have more on this though over the next couple of weeks. This article says is the first uh, executive to be jailed or potentially jailed for it. That's not true because mm. Oliver Schmidt is still in prison in the U.S. after being yes. uh, sentenced in 2017 for seven years. Uh, and a four hundred thousand dollar fine on top. Moving into other follow-up, uh, there was there was a not very well publicised uh, public referendum in Paris. Well, it was very well publicised over here. <laughs> Supposedly, it was not very well publicised or very clearly publicised in Paris, and also people were sort of busy with other stuff in Paris at the moment. Um, sort of, you know, putting out fires in the streets. Uh, but anyway, there was moving on from general political commentary. Uh, there was a, a referendum on rental e-scooters. Now we talked about this before when the mayor of Paris and Hidalgo had said, "Okay, well, look, we'll hold a referendum on this, and then we will abide by the decision that is made." So currently, Dot Lime and Tia run Doctor's Rental e-scooter services in Paris, and it seems that. Um, seems that the 103,084 people who voted out of the 1.3 million Parisians who are on the city's electoral list was overwhelmingly that they, they did not like the rental e-scooters. Just how overwhelming was it, though, Alan? It was, it was 89%. So it wasn't even close. <laughs> it was quite overwhelming. Uh, so despite the fact that less than a tenth of, of voters turned out to vote, uh, Hidalgo called the vote a great democratic success for our city, possibly because it agreed with what she thought anyway. And the Parisians who spoke overwhelmingly, under 10% of them, spoke out against self-service scooters. Their very clear message now becomes our roadmap. Together with my team, I'll follow through on their decision, as I promised. It looks like it was only people who were really, really, really peeved 
made the effort to leave the house and go to one of only 21 polling places around the city to vote in this single topic referendum. It's the only reason you'd be going out of your house into one of these places is to vote for or against e-scooters. Yeah, I saw some arguments about that because the the people who are, or many of the people I've noticed on social media who are very pro-scooters are incredibly angry at this, at this result and how it's been handled. However, you do you can counter that argument with, well, you didn't make a compelling case then, otherwise people would have got off their backside and voted for it. But also, the, the one thing that overrides all this that I think the mobility world has forgotten is that she's banning cars mm. and wants a 15-minute city. Mm. It's not like it's goodbye scooters, hello, let's clog up the roads with cars, because that's not going to happen either. Mm-hmm. And also, there was the study into e-scooters that found they were replacing walking trips, particularly in Paris, yes. which then made them less green <laughs> than they were before. Than they were. By the way, this is not universally admired by all French politicians. The Transport Minister, Clément Beaune, uh, said that the regulations have been developed to take the to debate. They're changing the regulations. He also criticised the Paris referendum for not giving voters the choice of allowing rental e-scooter services to continue, but with tougher rules in place. So it was a brexit style, yes, no type thing. There was no yeah, but option yeah. in there. No nuances allowed. Yeah. Uh, just as a quick heads up to people, we're not going to link to it in the show notes because I don't really want to give them any more clicks than they really don't deserve. But to the road safety charity and filler of inboxes with spam, IAM Roadsmart have taken a moment out of their usual roster of warning us that the roads are going to be busy on bank holidays to put out a press release saying Paris bans e-scooters is UK next. So which they've done a survey of some people. Um, but if you, obviously, if you uh, ever watched Yes, Prime Minister, uh, you can see just how easily those are lies, damn lies, and surveys in that case. <laughs> so watch out for that as filler appearing in a tabloid or in a hurriedly put together publication near you very soon. Uh, just be aware it's, it's, it's bandwagon jumping and it's, it has no relationship how things have been rolled out here have no relationship, really, to how it's been rolled out in Paris. Yeah, I think anyone who's listened to this show for any time will realise that that is just bandwagoning. We've kept people up to date with how things are going. Yeah, I expect the AA president to be along with a statement very shortly, put it that way. Yes, exactly. I'm going to take us into new news now. And this is that the zero emission vehicle mandate consultation let's remember this word now consultation Mm. has finally been published and i really do mean finally been published by the government after being quite late i think is the polite way to put this it's quite complicated so i imagine that there was a lot of debate over this yes what they're trying to say is uh, this is how we envisage getting to zero emission vehicles by the set date of the 2030 ban and then 2035, which is the second target date that the government has already published. This will include things like manufacturers or what they are suggesting it will include, because if you, mm. there will be a link in the show notes to the consultation, which really does outline their thinking behind this and probably what they want to do or will do. Mm. 
but it gives us the public the opportunity to give feedback on how realistic or if they should add subtract things from their from their thinking uh, for example there's no there's no allocation for e-fuels which was so loudly in the news recently in Europe yes and there's no exemption for the smaller car manufacturers after 2030 to be able to continue to build internal combustion engine vehicles uh, again as Europe has allowed but that is not being allowed at the moment as it stands before it becomes regulation stroke law whichever it's going to be I can't remember uh, that's their the stances they've taken but we have the opportunity to like I say to feedback and say well shouldn't we align with because of all the countries in Europe that would benefit the most from micro manufacturers is it not alan yes yes definitely by a significant significant margin and yet they're going to hamstring that so therefore these micro manufacturers either close or move to europe or well or, the, the thing well, is they won't be able to sell the, in the uk the thing is they'll be able to sell in the uk and you know the amount of paperwork and and staff to sell into Europe and to actually ship stuff to Europe is still huge yeah. and increasing. Why would Morgan not at some point be sort of rubbing its hands together and going, hmm, hmm, let's relocate to Morgan in the Swiss Alps yeah. instead? We'll keep a design centre here to keep Britishness or whatever it is. Yeah, well, you know, if you're mini, you don't even have to do that. No. You just get some Germans to draw some to draw some Union flags in your taillights and you're done. That's you British. Yeah. Sorry. So we, we, I, I feel we do need to respond to this uh, as an industry, and we do need to point out some of the areas that could perhaps ensure that the government isn't cutting its nose off or cutting sectors off without giving them the opportunity to show that there is possibly an option. So one of the articles that will be linked in the show notes is from businesscar.co.uk, uh, and it quotes the head of the BVRLA, the British Vehicle Rental and Leasing Association, and it says the ZV mandate will help to ensure the right vehicles are coming to the UK, allowing more drivers to make a swift switch to electric. Coming to the UK, not being built in the UK. Yeah. Quite telling, actually, that, even though he's from BVRLA. Yes. Uh, I, I think with the stance that's been taken in some of the statements, I think it's very clear. Unfortunately, what we've been saying for quite some time, the government's opinion of the UK car industry mm. and whether it's needed or not. As I said before, whenever you have a government that is made up of columnists and bankers, then they don't really know anything about anything or how anything works. So they don't appreciate just how important these things are. I mean, you can see that quite yep. clearly in just about every British political decision at the minute. Yep, absolutely. I shall hop off my soapbox. Well, maybe not. Let's move on to the next article that will still be thanks to the government. The government, uh, specifically the Department of Transport, are having a clampdown on poor pothole repairs. Yes, they're going to be finding contractors who don't repair potholes correctly. Yeah, the idea is that there are so many potholes and there's so many of them. Guy who really can't be bothered goes out with a little bag of quick set bitumen, an aggregate mix, stands there, thumps at it a couple of times, and uh, and then pours some melted bitumen around the outside edge, and then goes, yeah, it's repaired. Yeah, and then three weeks later, two weeks later, 
it's back to being a hole in the road again. To quote this autocar store, utility firms that leave behind potholes and road damage following work will be forced to repair them under new laws announced by the government today. Potholes will be inspected, and then if they need followed up, they will be followed up after that. This comes after the Department of Transport revealed that just 30% of works are inspected after they've been finished, regardless of how well those have been completed. Uh, It's worth mentioning that I've just given the example of the bottle guy. This also applies to telecommunications firms as well, and any of the utility firms, because actually those poor repairs in the first place are very often the cause of potholes later. Now, there's a couple of things from this which I can see slight flaws in the plan. Hmm. They're going to be charged £50 per inspection and then 120 for follow-up. Yeah. However, it costs more than £50 for a person from the council to go to a place to check a thing yeah. if, you, if you encapsulate all the costs. So therefore, this is going to cost the councils more money to go and do something that they have got even less investment from the government to ensure was fixed in the first place. I would imagine that people are not going to go out and go, oh, a pothole, I'm going to dry. I'm, oh, dear, hang on, this is council work. It's nice to know. Yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. I was just thinking, well, you know, you make a day of it, then you do all right. But but that's not what's going to happen, is it? I hope it will make a difference, but I feel this will be, this appears to be a lot of hot air yet again to look like something's going to fix things, but it won't. Anyway, Andrew, moving on to some mm-hmm. less contentious, some less shouty stories later on. I promise everyone. It's just it's just a week of angry stuff. Yes. Tell us about Seat. Well, Volkswagen this week are demonstrating that still they do not understand what to do with Seat because they are now going to be the micro mobility platform and subscription service for the Volkswagen Group, where it comes to things like uh, car sharing and e-scooter ranges. So, sorry, uh, the mobility platform seems to be the new all-electric brand if you want to kill off the car subsidiary, doesn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, look look at the success that both BMW and Mercedes have had with their car-sharing, scooter-sharing mobility platforms. What, the ones they've shut? The ones that they shut a couple of years ago <laughs> yes. uh, after investing <laughs> millions in them. So, well, goodbye, Seat. It's been nice. Um, you've made some lovely cars. Well, I wish it was. I wish it was, but the last... 10 years haven't been. They've been really treated poorly. Yeah, they have. They have, yeah. Yeah, as you say, it's Volkswagen just have never known what to do with Seat. You know, it's gone from being, yeah. oh, we'll make it the Spanish Alfa Romeo to... And not doing and not doing anything to do that. No, no, no. And then, so, so as a result, they make a, a, a varying selection of MPVs of various sizes, um, because that's very Alfa Romeo. Constantly teasing sports car concepts. Oh, but no, no, no. They did do things with sports cars. They did made they? another brand. Yes, to do oh, the yes. Cars. So they did. Yes, they made Cooper, which is like the the Decepticon of the car world, which is very good, by the way. There's, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just why weren't they called Seat anyway? I I don't know that. I don't understand that. Yeah. Um. So yep. it's all very very strange. But we'll I think we'll keep an eye on this one and and see what happens. By the way, Cooper, um, they are planning to bring that to the US. I guess they couldn't bring Seat because they would go, oh look at the seat to bring that over here as an EV brand to compete with automakers, including Tesla. Yes. Yes. Well, as long as they well, include... You have to say Yes, that. well, you always have to. <laughs> well, they, they, somehow they sell a lot of cars, Andrew. They do. They do. They do. They do. I mean, when I say cars, yeah. I mean loose collations of car parts. <laughs> They're occasionally screwed together. Yes. 
Uh, right, let's move on. Before we go down that rabbit hole, can you take us to the uh, the the next angry article? <laughs> this sounds like the craziest decision of the week. It comes from General Motors. So General Motors, yes, well known for outlandishly weird and just cutting off their nose to shoot their foot. The moment, yeah, they're, they're known for running away from all the markets except for the US. Uh, yes, yes, but they, they're now they're going to run away from all of the ways that people actually quite like interacting with their car. Mm. So they're saying that with the launch of the 2024 Chevrolet Blazer EV this fall, they are revising their strategy to in-vehicle infotainment systems, or IVIs. And what they're going to do is they're going to stop supporting Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, because people don't use that as a key. Oh, no, no, no. People do use that as a key reason for even including uh, a particular vehicle on, on the shortlist and, and whether or not they're going to buy it. Yep. What they've decided is they're going to go for a proprietary system that is based mostly from Google and on Android. Android Automotive. It is different from Android Auto. Yes. It says motive at the this end. This is more integrated mm. and more ingrained in the vehicle and has its lovely little tentacles into much more. I mean, this is a fantastic move. I mean, obviously, uh, they're saying that this is important because it means it'll be better integrated into their autonomous driving systems. Okay, Andrew, we know. Uh, the Yes, he's got his hand over his mouth, everyone, literally. But really, this is a data grab. And the thing about that is that the data grab uh, it's a data grab, and it's it's a, it's a way of selling subscription services, which you can't do if people rely on their phone. That, that's what it comes down to. Uh, this is we don't we want some money from you, therefore we're going to stop you doing the thing that you already do. And yeah, they want to sell sell those subscriptions. Now I don't know if they'll be successful or not. If you read the uh, excellent article from the Autopian all about this, which includes the full press release and all sorts of stuff, then they're saying they don't really think that this will play out fully. Uh, if they do it. Well, well, there's a couple of things this w which make it very silly, uh, and I'm being polite in saying silly because I don't want to have to edit myself. Mm, that's not the word you used earlier on, earlier, everyone. <laughs> the, the European siren is not coming out today. But the, f the first thing is that, obviously, it gives, as we said when we talked about Apple and they when they revealed their super new car play that was going to integrate even further into cars and what they wanted to do was allow the user to put their own more create their own displays on whatever car mm. and etc cetera, etc cetera. this is the same sort of thing it is integrated to that extent where it gets into understanding what the sensors are saying and what the car's doing and all these other things far more than android auto did because that was just a mirroring service of your phone this allows Google to get so, so much data, so much data, particularly if you then sign in and say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll use my Google account on here. Mm. GM is not the only company doing this. Uh, Volvo, Renault, Honda, and Stellantis are all going down this route. If you do not want Google to have all your info or any of your info, these are manufacturers you can no longer use or buy a new car mm. from. <laughs> on top of that, is there is a, going to be a, a couple of links in the show notes. On top of that, so there'll be the Autopian, as well as this Forbes article, um, which is um, really well written. But there will be an article from the FT that discusses how in the US, uh, Gen Z, as they say over there, has, 
has eschewed Android and gone for Apple big time. As it stands now, GM are cutting off a lot of their actual customers or potential customers if they know this is the case and they object to that. But moving forward, you are just alienating a whole generation because they won't want to use Mm. it. They won't they won't want to get in that car because they can't use their their Apple phone or their watch or whatever device because they're going to go all in with Apple. Mm Uh, so this is colossally stupid from that point of view, from a business point of view alone. It's it's wonderfully user hostile. It's ridiculous that you actively alienating your potential customers. Mm. On top of that, giving away so much information is just nuts. I I can't understand how they've come to this position to go, yeah, let's give Google all this data that they can do whatever they like with. Mm-hmm. Beggar's belief. Yeah, it is It is quite a special set of decisions, but it's General Motors, and they're well known for their special sets of decisions. They just can't help themselves. And the third thing... Are, are we still going? Okay. And we had to mention it last week, is Apple and Google are clueless when it comes to safety-critical software. Oh, yeah, well, we mention that clueless. every week. I think that that has become... That has, that has become, become a mantra. So I don't want them able to find out what pressure was on the accelerator in case they muck something up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I can't I, I can't argue with you. I know, I know. And I'm sorry that it, we have to we have to go down this ranty route again. But there are there are more and more stupid decisions being made in the car industry and it's really frustrating. Which takes us to guilt minute, the quick break in the show where Andrew's blood pressure can return to somewhere approaching normal. But also where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you everyone that does. New new car news, and I'll start with some follow-up. And this is the news that the Kia EV9 is actually coming to the UK after we sat here, or I particularly sat here, going, there's no way that's coming here, it's far too big. Well, it is coming here, and it isn't far too big. It is on par with other large vehicles we have on our roads already. It is quite large. It is about the same size as the standard wheelbase current Range Rover. Uh, which is about the same size as the Defender 110, if you include the length of the spare wheel. Yeah, but also there will be a link in the show notes to an Autocar article because some more technical information has been revealed. There is discussions of the the battery, uh, the mile range, um, how quickly it can be charged in 15 minutes, but also when you move up the, the steps of the option list, how quicker you can get from naught to sixty-two in this five-meter-long vehicle? It's quite, <laughs> and and the availability of downloading a boost function, which I think is probably just there for us journalists to be happy about and go, oh look, we can press boost, Ooh! but no one will actually buy or use. Yes, <laughs> but also there's a there's a lot of talk of oh dear. Automated driving. Oh, there is, but that's the same with everything. Technology, level three type stuff, which is, everybody knows my opinion on that, and 
no, don't do that. But yes, it's it. I, I as much as it's big, I still think you know a couple of weeks later it is a very smart looking vehicle. I like the clean, crisp design of it. It will be lovely to sit in, and it will do what it generally says on the tin as well. We know that from this company. Can I point something out as well? I noticed mm-hmm. that in the the shot in the Autocar article where all of the rear seats are all folded, mm-hmm. every single one of them, all four of them, has a top tie for a child seat. Yep. You might say about the size and stuff, but it's it's still more practical than, than say, recent electric offerings from Volkswagen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and plus, with all those, it's still big enough that it's still got a decent-sized boot by the looks of it, which is quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it like it squashes it every single Andrew argument about these sorts of things. It's kind of funny, really. Well, no, I don't mind these. It's not pretending to be an MPV, but um, <laughs> and like I say, you know, having driven electric <laughs> Kias, you know, they do it's... what they generally say they're going to do, and they do it comfortably, and it's well built, and it's you know all mm. these other things. I I think it will be a very nice car. <laughs> so I'm not arguing with any of that. <laughs> Uh, uh, next up oh it's not really a car but it is something that's relevant and news uh, it's that Suzuki has launched a 7 year warranty deal so they've got a new service activated warranty scheme which means that you can buy simply uh, by getting your car serviced at a Suzuki dealer then the warranty will continue uh, it will extend from its current 3 years 60,000 miles um, up to seven, up to a maximum of seven years and a hundred thousand miles. The idea being to keep people within the Suzuki network when it comes to getting them service and stuff. A couple of things that are well mm. worth mentioning and noticing in this is that it is also if you sell your Suzuki and transfer it to a new owner in that extended time, then the warranty goes with them for free. So this should also Good. help boost residuals. Uh, of existing yeah. Suzuki's out there. So quite a nice comprehensive set of warranties there. Worth mentioning, obviously, uh, Toyota and Lexus already do something like this uh, in the UK. MG also offers a seven-year warranty uh, valid for up to 80,000 miles. Lots of those are in the kind of, you know, in the, the, the same kind of ballpark. So this is this is good, and this takes it above and a little bit beyond most of the manufacturers. Yep, good news. Finally, on to the new new car news. And this is the new Lamborghini, oh dear, Rivuelto? Revolto? I want to say, I'm I'm inclined to say revolting, but that's unfair. We don't (laughs) know. It's it's a new unpronounceable Lamborghini beginning with R. Replaces the Aventador. Yes. Let's move on to words we can pronounce. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And it's going to be hybrid. And it's a thousand brake horsepower Fev. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. You've got to say one thousand brake horsepower. <laughs> I'm trying not to buy the hype too yeah. much. Uh, it's got three electric motors, uh, a lightweight battery pack, and it will become the most potent Lambo yet. That's that much more like it. <laughs> They're promising okay. two and a half seconds, sixty-two miles an hour, sub seven seconds to one hundred and twenty-four miles an hour, and a top speed of more than two hundred and seventeen miles an hour. That'd be great for the A1. Fantastic for the A1. You get between those roundabouts so quickly. It's and it looks, but it looks like a Lamborghini. It is, it is pointy as a Lamborghini should be. Uh, it's either pointy or it's got a very low polygon count in the in in the graphics. <laughs> but it it looks. I think it looks really good. I actually really like it. It's what you want from a top of the you know the the pinnacle of Lamborghini, which is something that looks mad, should be on a poster. Mm. 
the practicality side of things are a bit different. I mean, for example, if you wanted to drive it in just EV, you get six miles. No, I, I didn't misread that. That is Andrew, six that's perfectly miles. fine for being able to drive to Harrods, do all your poppy banging stuff, whilst you have, um, you know, in between visits to Cafe Concerto or whatever, get back in it, and then, and then once the police have given you a warning, you can drive back six miles. Put, or, or yeah, if you've that far. Yeah, exactly. Who who wants to drive a, a Lamborghini and not be the Perfectly noisiest thing good on the for road for getting from the Grosvenor to Harrods and from Harrods back to the Grosvenor car park again? I mean, oh, hang on, I've just had a thought. You know, if if some manufacturers are synthesising mm. a noise, is Lamborghini going to synthesise flames when it's an EV only? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> Do click the link in the show notes uh, and have a read of this. It's nuts. It will be super fast. It will be mad. It's what you expect and from it Lamborghini. It does look like it should be on the poster in bedroom. Yeah, which is yep. I can't think of higher praise really than than that for a, a top of the range Lamborghini. Meanwhile, back in back somewhere in else, <laughs> I don't even know if it's reality land. Uh, there are the new smart Hash Three which is the slightly version of the Hash 1. No, I don't know what's happened to the Hash 2 in there. Um, it is, what is it? It's the Mini Clubman to the Mini's Mini, I think is possibly the best way of relating these together. I don't know. It's not as ugly as a Clubman, in all fairness. It follows all the design cues that you would expect, having seen the Hash 1. It's just a little bit bigger. It's another SUV, so there's room for a battery pack in quite a small vehicle. I'm really, at the minute, this new revitalized 50% Mercedes-Benz, 50% Geely, it's still at the generic Chinese vehicle stage. So AI designed an electric SUV. Uh, yeah, and it's... It's not, it, it invokes no reaction whatsoever. It's not offensive, but it's not yeah, it's, it's definitely not either. ugly, but it's, it's not. <laughs> it's 4.4 meters long as well. So this is almost ID4 yeah. size. So it's, this is not a small There's vehicle. a line in here about it having a shark nose. Somewhere in this autocar article, yeah. It's got a shark nose in the way that I've got a shark nose. So I don't have a shark nose. I've got an overbite. It's quite simple. It's whale shark, whale maybe. Sh- uh, very generous. I uh, don't think that was the shark they were no. going for, though. No, it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's just. If you saw whatever. it on the road, you go, oh, it's, there's one of those new smarts with a silly name. But that's about. If you, if noticed, you noticed it, at, it all. at all. Exactly. Because it probably won't be bright orange like the leaked images that are shown in Autoka. Yeah. It's just there. There we are. Bleh. It's going to be debuted at Shanghai when they have their motor show. We'll get more information then. If you are interested at all at what. And bland SUV looks like today, you can click the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Moving into points of interest, and I will start with a little bit of news, and that is that the Haggerty Festival of the Unexceptional tickets are now available. There will be a link in the show notes for you to click through if you are interested in going. I am absolutely distraught. I cannot make it. But it is going to happen on the 29th of July between 9 and 4 p.m. at Grimsthorpe Castle in Grimsthorpe in Bourne. Uh, like I say, link will be in the show notes and the usual cool kids that we all know and love and follow on Twitter will be there. And Paul Cowland. Curse you all. Okay. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> wow, Spot, you're not in the country. <laughs> you still got my phone number. Yeah, you still get abused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm sad I'm missing. It's it's, it's always an enjoyable event. Enjoyable yeah. event. It's, it, it's, it, to be honest, it's as much about the people as the cars. That one. It's it's just nice fun. Exactly. Yeah, good, unpretentious stuff. Which brings us to lunchtime watch. Actually, that that's that. Mm. That linked together Good alarmingly link. well, didn't Good it? Like yeah, it, it was planned, definitely planned. A friend of the show, Ian Seabrook, released a video on his Vids channel last week, uh, which is very different from his normal stuff. And it's something that he's been putting together for ages and ages and ages, it seems. He's put together a video on the mid-engine hatchback that was originally meant to replace the Volkswagen Beetle. So the EA266, which was also known as the Type 166, uh, which was a Porsche and Volkswagen collaboration. Uh, as I say, it, there is, it's not Ian's usual style. There is loads and loads. It is, it is packed full of archive footage and photographs and stuff, which really hasn't been seen before. He's worked, I think he's worked quite closely with Porsche for, for, to, to, to get the footage and to, to be able to tell the story here. It's very different. It's very good. It's really enjoyable. I strongly recommend that you watch this. It's one of the best, most interesting uh, automotive videos that I've seen for a while because this is so little known. I didn't even know this existed, and I tend to be quite geeky about these wow. things. It's yeah. just really good. I th It's 10 minutes, 20 seconds long. I wished it was a little bit longer. <laughs> there you go. It's just really good. <laughs> just really good. <laughs> Link as ever in the show notes. I will take us now to the list of the week from Haggerty. And this is titled Seven Fast Estate Car Legends for Under £20,000. Anthony Ingram has once again compiled our list that we are linking to. Alan, you know what I'm going to ask. There's only seven, so I won't pick mine. <sighs> Uh, well, uh, uh, I want to comment on something and then. Okay, uh, well, you're thinking. No, I know, I know. I'm just trying to. No, I'm just trying to work though, out how to approach. Tell people about this, this, this tricky the, bit. Uh, an extra yes, link that will you be in tell the show people notes. about that whilst I work out how to. That's good. You've just taken the pressure off me. One of the vehicles in this list, Alan has actually driven dum, dum, dum. and recorded a video. And we have it on our YouTube, and there will be a link to it in the show notes. Thank you. This is an extra special yes. link. Ooh. I'm not telling you which one it is. You'll have to click the link to find out. So anyway, what I love most about this list, and the one that I would choose, choo, I don't know. What I think is really cool about this list is the press pick that they've chosen at the very top of it shows a right-hand drive Subaru Legacy Turbo first generation Subaru Legacy in right-hand drive with Paris number plates on it, with central Paris 75 number plates, which is so totally and utterly incongruous and ridiculous. However, I'm going to choose that, but it would preferably be the post-facelift one as my choice, because they were sort of everywhere when I was growing up, and now they're nowhere. They don't exist anymore in the UK. So those early... So it just says... So when the listing in here is Subaru Legacy, any really, honestly for me, <laughs> if you could get a Mark One, a Mark One facelift Legacy Turbo, that is cooler than any of the later ones. I'm afraid to me. 
But the okay. one that there's a video of is also high on the list in that I actually did do a couple of searches for them over here. <clears throat> uh, That's how high okay. on the list the other one is. Oh, very mm. interesting. Very interesting. Do click the links in the show notes and don't forget to tell us if you agree with Alan's choice or which one you would have. But good news though, Andrew, in, mm-hmm. uh, in as we reach, and finally, it is Easter time and that means that the Easter Jeep Safari is taking place in Moab, uh, and that means that Jeep roll out some some Jeep concepts. And so I'm going to mm. send us what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's as many as there are on our list of the week. So I'm going to let you choose your favourite. Oh, well, there's one. It definitely isn't because I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Especially, but the thing is, I'm underwhelmed because you look at all the others on the list. The, the the one you're talking about, which is the Grand Wagoneer Overland concept, is pretty cool by normal standards. If you saw it sitting in the car park, you'd go, oh, yeah. that's cool. But mm. given what's around it here, I understand your sentiment. So which one would you actually have then? So the one I'll actually pick is the 1978 Jeep Cherokee 4XE concept. Mm-hmm. So that's the plug. That's oh. the plug-in hybrid um, drivetrain. Yes. Uh, I was saying to Andrew before we, we recorded. I've seen there are loads of jeeps around here, and quite a few of them are the plug the four XE engine option, which gives you the two electric motors, battery, two liter turbocharged engine, eight speed automatic. So obviously, it runs on. It can run quite happily on EV mode. And it's quite strange seeing slightly lifted, knobbly tired wranglers and stuff going around in complete silence in car parks. It, it is a, there's a little bit of, sort of cognitive dissonance going on there. It's quite cool, to be honest. They're quite expensive, but they're um they're, they're, they're quite cool. The one I've picked is a is a resto mod on where some of the others are are brand new and and others have been modified. So it's a 1978 Cherokee. So that's the sort of longer the longer vehicle that Jeep made, um, but it's got the uh, bits of the 2022 Wrangler Rubicon and the hybrid powertrain mm-hmm. sort of slammed up underneath. It's got no windows in the side or at the back, and it's got the roof on top, so it's giving you the open-air motoring, but still sort of protecting mm. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just it's just ah, so cool. It's such a, such a cool design of a vehicle anyway. yeah and it's been really nice it's been nicely done so lots of cool stuff in there do have a, a click through the, the article we've used is from topgear.com yeah linked of course in the show notes so i'm sure mm-hmm. you could predict i was going to say by now uh that's it for this week i think no parish notes uh i might not be on the show next yes week. it may or may not be on the show depending sorry i can't be more specific than that it really is. It really is, as in, as in, as in, as in, it was only realised just as we were just as we were chatting about to record. Yes. yes. Anyway, never Oops. mind. Never mind, eh? But uh, don't forget between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram on Facebook and on the contact page of MotoringPodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on the Apple Podcast or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you that hopefully sounds more sincere than I've just managed? 
Best way to get in touch with me is if you search for Crap Windscreen on Twitter or Mastodon, you will find me there. And Alan, if people would like to speak to the uh, version of you that is more sincere, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, a bit like yourself, it's Twitter or Mastodon where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y for those of you who miss out when I miss when I don't spell my surname. We'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.